This is episode 33 of the Remix Your World podcast with Peter Napoli. Welcome to Remix Your World. I'm Allison Kalagna, global DJ and music producer turned life remixer and personal growth coach. In each episode, we bring you real talk, inspiring stories, and heartfelt conversations of personal transformation to help you uplift and amplify your life. This is the Remix Your World podcast. You may have heard Peter Napoli at one of his traveling brute parties in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Chicago, where his pulsating beat reigns over packed dance floors and throngs of young men in gear. While this nightlife attraction has been a mainstay for years, Peter's love of music actually began far earlier, growing up in a family of musicians in the boroughs of New York City. Rhythm was a constant in the Napoli household. Peter's dad is a well-known drummer, and there was always a groove happening at home. The early exposure to the relationship between kick drumming and ass shaking propelled Peter to find a career in music beginning in Mexico City in 2009. Back home in New York City, the young firebrand honed his skills at Santos Party House, which escalated him to opportunities in Europe, North, and South America. As his sound evolved, Peter found inspiration in deep house and techno, but also the classic bass lines of Frankie Knuckles and David Cole. This diversity is on display at his legendary Burning Man sets and now at Voyage. In its latest iteration, Napoli's sound is an evolution from the stagnant circuit scene of decades past to a future built on an array of percussion and an inclusive cast of talent and performers. Peter's latest party brand, Voyage, is a newcomer to the scene. Its rhythm is the journey a new venture for aficionados of house and techno and the electronic music community. Yo, check this out. What's up, world? This is episode 33 of the Remix Your World podcast with me, Allison Kalagna, and today I am talking to Peter Napoli. You may have heard him from one of his brute parties, or you've heard him DJ. Um, I've played several of his events, and he's actually coming to Dallas to play Blake and I's event release at the end of this month. So we just sat down and had a great conversation. You know, it's funny, it's like I have these relationships with these DJs, but sometimes we don't actually really get to have conversations we like work together, but we never get to really truly connect because it's crazy in the club and so much is going on in that moment. So it was really cool for us to just kind of sit down and have a Skype face-to-face chat and get to know him a little deeper. Uh, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Peter Napoli. I don't feel yeah. like I've ever actually gotten to know like your story and how you started or any of that. So we can just start there. I would love to know. You know, where was, uh, where was the little music man from? So from the start, yeah, born on born in Queens, um, grew up on Long Island uh, from a family of musicians. So music was inherently in my blood. Um, and I was like the newer generation that went in like the digital, you know, realm of, you know, DJing and, you know, producing music on computers, you know, rather than instruments. My dad is a superb drummer. So I get a lot of like my talent from him. And um, I started to play when I was living in Mexico City. Yeah, I was living in Mexico City for about a year and a half. I was in Mexico for three years. And 
I was in Guadalajara for a year and a half and then Mexico City for a year and a half teaching English. And then um, I was friends with these promoters, uh, Luis Barba. You might yeah, know. yeah, of course. He, yeah, who does Karma Beat. Yeah. He, he, uh, he asked me to um, host one of his parties um, at this little bar called Cafeína in, uh, in La Condesa in Mexico City. And uh, Isaac Escalante was the, the um, was like the resident DJ, and I'd always wanted to play. And I kind of, uh, you know, I'd been messing around with it in my in my apartment for a while, and then he gave me the opportunity to to play. So I started opening for Isaac every month or every week. I forgot how often it was, and um, yeah. So then returned back to New York, returned to school, went to FIT, finished my bachelor's. And continued to play. And, um, yeah, my first gigs in New York were at David Barton Gym. And uh, I had a residency at Industry. So I did the whole bar thing, the whole pop music. Never really res- like resonated with me, but I did it because it's sort of what you, you know, what, what what's expected and kind of like in the gay community, it's what sells the most. Um, but inherently, house music was was my thing. And my introduction to the nightlife and club scene was in Mexico too. At the time when like Peter Hoffer was at his height and offered me some, you know, with his, uh, uh, with his album with Maya, which was like, for me, it was mind blowing at that time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So since then, which was about 10 years ago now, I've been, I've been doing my own thing and started my own parties and have been, I've been playing around the country and yeah. yeah, very grateful to be where I am. That's so awesome. So when was your first like club experience then? When did you like, were like, oh, shit, house music is it? Was it in Mexico? It was, it wow. was in Mexico. I had listened to like the, like the dance, some of the faster dance music that was on Z100 in, mm-hmm. in New York that I enjoyed, but yeah, not until Guadalajara at this nightclub called Angels. Yep. I played was there. I, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Jose Spinning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jose Spinning. Monica's was yeah. there. Circus was another one. And I think I heard you at Living. Yes. Um, Living in, was... In Mexico City. Yeah. Right? I used to play there often. Yeah, a couple yeah, times Yeah, I remember. Years. Yeah. I remember specifically... The old one. The old Living. The, the one that was living, in that right. mansion. The cathedral. Yeah. Which was mind-blowing. So, yeah. Or, so amazing. That's when I met Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how I met him. Like, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. It was it was at that time. This was like between two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, when I was in Mexico City. That's so cool. What? So, what made you do that then? Like, what was that? You were you were in New York, and you were just like, let me just yeah, tell tell us that. My brother Chris was an ESL teacher in Miami, okay. and he had gone to school there, studied psychology, and on the side he was an ESL teacher. And uh, I was between schools; I had gotten my associate's degree in, la- in liberal arts, and was trying to figure out what to major in. That was always like a big stra- uh, struggle for me: what to major in. So between school and transferring, I um, I went with my brother because he was moving to Mexico to to teach, and I figured, hey why don't I go with you? And I was there for three years and I became a teacher myself. Yeah. That's so cool. So were you always drawn to Spanish? Like out of all the languages that was, or was it mainly like my brother's Um, going, I'm going. (laughs) 
it was more about yeah i mean if he had said guam you know i might have mm. been a little bit more um hesitant but you know mexico I've, i love to travel and i yeah. i was also in the closet so it was okay. it was it was it had a lot to do with like coming out and like escaping new york and being myself mm. and 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 like starting a new life and being my you know just being myself so yeah. that had a lot to do with why i left wow yeah mm -hmm. so when you then you came out before you left or after you left i was i was there for two weeks in guadalajara mm -hmm. telling myself that i was going to sleep with as many girls as i could because i'm not gay oh and then God. two weeks in i'm at the gay bar fucking doing my thing <laughs> and uh that was it that That's was just so yeah. amazing <laughs> wow <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. So, what was it like then when you came out? Did you tell your brother, your bro your brother, right away, or? So, oh, the I story love this. Deep. I love it. So yes, my, that's what I love about so this. Both of my older <laughs> brothers are also gay. Okay. Yeah, and my old so my oldest brother Matt, who's in theater and actor, you know, lives in New York City as well. Um, him, I came out to after being in Mexico for six months, mm. and. He's like, so I, every, every six months when you're living abroad in Mexico, you need to renew your visa. So you have to return, renew it, then you can go back. Got it. So on my first visit back, I came out to my oldest brother. First person I ever came out to that, like, I knew, you know, family or friends, my older brother, Chris, uh, Matthew. My brother, Chris, who's the middle brother, had came out to Matthew a month before. And I was mind blown. I was like, I had no clue that Chris was also gay and we missed each other. Like we both, me and Chris moved to Mexico together. And then, and then he returned to Miami because he had a boyfriend, but he didn't tell me why he was returning. Mm. So it was just this crazy, like, you know, mixed or missed like signals or whatever. And, and yeah, so my, my brothers were the first ones that I came out to. Wow. And, and then eventually my parents and my friends in New York, and haven't looked back. Was anyone, was it hard, was it, was anyone not happy that you were? Did you have any of that struggle? My ex-girlfriend, mm. whose virginity I took at mm. 22 years old, uh, was really upset because she, uh, you know, we had a, had a nice relationship, but I broke up with her and said, hey, I'm moving to Mexico. Yeah. So she had seen on Facebook that I was like holding hands with some dude and she outed me to my friends before I could even come out to them wow. which was pretty messed up and um but she was like the only one that was upset because which I kind of get you know like it's it's like a weird situation yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. other than that no I was you know welcomed with open arms with, uh, from and everybody you, and your parents were like wow we another one yes super liberal <laughs> parents very open-minded my dad didn't believe us he thought we were joking because me and chris came out to my dad, dad together we we're in the backyard he's smoking a pipe and like we like come out to my dad and he's like uh he's like you're you what you're joking i was like no dad we both have boyfriends <laughs> wow so all three yeah that's so that's so bizarre and awesome at the same time. Are yeah. any are any of them then? Do your your parents like? Well, what about grandchildren? What about are any of that then? Do you have a sister, um, or it's just the three of you boys? It's just three of us, mm -hmm. and my mom, who kind of I guess probably cared most about that, has mm -hmm. kind of made 
like my cousin's children, their niece and nephew. And like, I have a big family, so there's no, um, you know, there's not like a, an issue there. However, I might have kids one day. I'm Mm -hmm. still open to it with the right partner. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. My dad was like, what about, what do you mean you don't want to have kids? Because I just don't want to have kids. You know, my brother doesn't either. And he's like, I don't have grandchildren. You know, so he's <laughs> kind of done the same thing with, with our cousins. Like, so, yeah. yeah right, 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 right. <laughs> world is overpopulated anyway, right? Yes. So. <laughs> I, you know, it's like, it's just been one of those things I've never really thought. I've, I always feel like I'm a mama bear in a sense. I have enough children in this world. Like, I don't want to actually bring a child. Yeah, totally. <laughs> In the gay community, especially, yeah, and like my my best friends, who all have kids that I grew up with, like you know, they they have one two year olds and whatever, and I also want nieces and nephews. Yeah. So my friends' children serve as that you know that fix that like I want because I do love kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So then you came back to New York, and then what? So you left Mexico. You came back and started playing. How did started playing? How did the whole Brute thing even happen? So Brute came out of being introduced to Dan Darlington through our mutual friend Wally um, Hauschburton. Okay, how do you pronounce his last name? Our friend Wally. So Dan wanted to start a party himself, and then he was kind of, I guess, brainstorming with Wally. And Wally had always been a fan of my music. He's like, "You need to bring in Peter Napoli, have him play for you." So when Dan had called me and explained his concept and what he wanted to do, and our first, so the first party we did was called Mission, okay. which was more of a, so it was a tea dance mm. at Santos Party House that took place on Sundays. And it was like very inclusive and very um, kind of like club kid, like very New York. We wanted a mixed audience and, mm. and we kind of always pushed being outside of the circuit scene and playing house music right. and, and, and tech. And cause that's what me and Dan love. So mm. not being hired, like, because most of the, the gay community plays the circuit sound yeah. and that doesn't work for me and Dan where, you know, he wanted to start his own thing. And I was at that point where I needed a platform. So we started mission and then mission led to brute which was a going away party for Dan, who was moving back to Chicago. And he's like, let's do a dirty leather party. And it ended up taking off mm-hmm. and surpassing mission. And there was a void to be filled in New York City. The boys wanted it. They yeah. wanted like, a, you know, a, a, that environment. And the only place they could go to was the Eagle or the Black Party. Yeah. And so because there was this void to be filled, uh, Brute, Brute took off yeah. in, in New York. So also awesome. at Santos Party House. Yeah, Santos, that, that's the one. I don't think I played there, but I went there. You were playing, right? That's the one that I can't remember if I played at that one or not. But I remember being in that room and loving that room. I just can't remember if I was actually yeah. DJing. Yeah, it was a, a great, great space. Two floors. Um, it had that very underground New York feel to it. And it it was the perfect atmosphere for 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 brute because it it just served that like that raunchy um raw new york that we that we wanted yeah that's so awesome look at now i mean like it's i love i love the whole brute brand i love what you guys are doing so when did you then decide okay well we're gonna take this on the road what was the first city that you were like we're gonna take this somewhere Uh, san francisco i want to say 
was our first one because we had um, one of our friends, Brian Kent, owned a, a nightclub in San Francisco called Beatbox. Mm. And we, it was either Chicago or San Francisco, but I want to say San Francisco was the first. So just through our network of friends, you know, we, we just picked which cities we thought would be successful and who have kind of have a leather scene, fetish scene. And, um, and yeah, so we started in San Francisco and now we're in six cities. Wow. That's so, so that's awesome. Yeah. What yeah. do you think has been the challenge, the most challenging part in terms of success as a DJ and success as an event producer? What's been the hardest part, you think? Um, probably where my heart lies is the music mm-hmm. and DJing and producing music and producing these events that I love and brutes my baby. And I started a new party called Voyage. Um, but producing and playing are two full-time jobs yeah you know and like being an artist is really what I'm what I'm best at and what like where my heart lies Mm -hmm. mostly so the challenge of balancing the work between both of those has been um has been a challenge yeah I bet too because it's like it it is I'm relatively new to this side, to that side of it, doing these um, parties with Blake. And it's, it is a completely different thing, you know, in terms of your mindset around it. And it, I'm so used to being an artist as well as that too. And you think of it in a completely different way of how you're preparing your shows and preparing your sets. It's a totally different um, game. Absolutely. And like, it gets stressful when, you know, you're, you're producing the event and like you get there and you're setting up and you're, you know, all this anticipation and it's exciting and I love it. Um, so, but you're wearing both hats yeah. because I play every party that I produce. Yeah. So like if there's like issues at the door or like, you know, hosts or the bar or wherever they're, whatever it may be. Um, those are things you need to deal with before you get to play mm. and yeah. it can affect your set, whatever. But like, you know, it's, it's something that I've learned to, to manage and, um, I'm just kind of doing it. Yeah, because you've had you've had no choice. You've had to just learn to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah, Voyage. and bringing on help, obviously. Yeah. Uh, every, if you the you got to have a team. Oh my god! Like it, right. Like I couldn't do this by myself. Like no way. Right. You know. You so, need a team. Yeah. It's, it's and brilliant. Dan. Dan and I have mostly done all of it ourselves. Mm. Um, for the most part. So. Recently, um, you know, we brought in some key players to help us out and especially on the major events, yeah. um, which is, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd mentioned voyage and I want to kind of talk about that. And I'm curious if that stemmed from your whole burning man experience and then wanting to create something that feels more like you as an artist. So I'd love to hear how voyage was born. Yeah. So voyage is, is something that I've been kind of sitting on for a while. Um, with Root, I, you know, I, I get to play the music I want to play, but there's also a level of pleasing the crowd. And, and being that I'm a fan of multiple house music genres, from deep house to tech house to yeah. techno to disco, um, you know, my style has always been merging these genres that I really love, you yeah. know, from like the Latin drums to, you know, something soulful. And... 
I wanted a platform that I didn't have any sort of like restrictions or feel that I need to like go in a certain direction or, you know, please the audience. I always believe since we started Brute, which was to play what we wanted to play and not care what anybody thought. Yeah. So that has definitely been the road I've taken. However, you know, brands go in a certain direction and you you kind of follow you follow what's working. Right. So what Voyage was is my my platform to completely explore what I can do as an artist and not feel constricted, like yeah. I said. Um, so being within the gay community, having my my straight friends and the you know, the straight techno world. Yeah. My Burning Man community, which has a certain vibe and sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a lot of people, you know, don't feel comfortable at Brute, right? Because it has right. a certain right. tone environment. But I want everybody that I, you know, spend my time with, all the people that enjoy my music, on place. Yeah. So that's what Voyage is, is a place to bring everyone together. And I think more so the community needs it, especially in New York, because there's a lot of separation. Yeah. And places that where like girls might not be welcomed or, you know, straights might not be comfortable in certain, you know, gay parties. Mm-hmm. And like New York, to my knowledge, there were there were no lines. And like the best parties were the mixed, mixed parties that yeah. the people were there just for the music. And it didn't matter what color skin you had, what your sexual orientation was. It was about the music. It was about the community and it was about dancing together and releasing because we live stressful lives. So on the dance floor, we need to feel comfortable and safe. Yeah. And that's what Voyage is. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to hear you say that because it's like I'm listening to myself and a little bit of like, oh, God, that's how I, I feel about release. And that's why that started, that whole thing of like creating it in a venue that isn't a gay venue so that it has that mixed environment. And right. Yeah, and when I saw that you were doing that with Voyage, it was just like, oh, my God, he's, you know, that's why Blake and I were both like, yeah, let's have Peter come out. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, it's I love to hear other gay DJs talk about all of the the music that we love because there's so much music out there that is not being shown in the circuit world. And it's part of our place as DJs to share and yet create these new experiences to give them opportunities to listen to other music, other sounds, other sounds. Yes. Yeah, totally. And not your remix to a pop song. Right. Yeah. Who are some of your biggest inspirations as a DJ and as a producer? Cause they're, you know, they could be two different tracks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, some of my biggest, I mean, Mark Knight, who we have for yes. World Pride, has always been somebody I've followed and been drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, I, my, my style, like I'm a big proponent on history and where music comes from mm-hmm. and like, and like appreciating what's in the past. So like he's a, he's an artist that I've always looked up to. Danny Teneglia is somebody that I've, that I've seen, you know, has like this massive massive career yeah you know from you know from disco to techno um and as a producer i like i i always i always try and push myself to to 
to sound different and to like appreciate the appreciate the um all the all the genres that i love like merge those things together yeah so like i mean from sylvester as like a disco artist donna summer um to louis vega you know bringing in you know that latin feel Mm -hmm. he's a huge inspiration for me um yeah, I mean, the list goes on for sure. Yeah. When you go into the studio, do you usually set an intention around what you're trying to create or do you allow it to just kind of show up? Um, the way my tracks work is as I'm working on a certain track, you know, and you're coming up with different melodies and, and, and rhythms, I'll, I'll, I'll work on something and then, you know, try and improve it. And I'll, and I'll have areas of the track that, won't really fit for that song like Mm. i'll create it and be like oh this sounds pretty good but it might not be the best fit and i'll save that and then that will be like the inspiration to my next track track. and so i'll pull that you know layer of the song bounce it and then throw it into another set of you know kick drums and and bass lines and so like each each track kind of is an inspiration from the past Mm. yeah that's really cool yeah all right, talk to yeah. us a little bit about Burning Man because I'm so jealous because I've never actually gone. And all of us, so <laughs> many of my, my rent burner friends are like, what the hell is wrong with you? And it just, I just have never made it happen. Per, you know, it's never. So for someone who's listening that has never even experienced it, what would you say to them? When was your first? Um, 2013. Okay. And I was invited by, so I was at a wedding in Cartagena, Colombia. And it was one of one of my really good friends, Nikki, who um, was living in Mexico City at the same time I was. She invited me to her wedding. And at the wedding, I met this guy, John Legee. And John Legee runs one of the, the, the best uh, Burning Man camps there is called Playa School, mm. which is now kind of shifted into a new camp called Daydream that he's doing on his own right now. But so he invited me in 2013 and like, this was like a month before the burn and he, you know, took care of my, some of my accommodations and he's like, come play. Cause I was playing this after party, um, at the wedding, like the night after the wedding. And he heard me and he's like, dude, I love your music. I'd like to invite you to my camp. So he invited me and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I'd heard of burning man, but I had no idea the scope of, this to me how i identified is like a like art and music festival but it's 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 so much more it's it's hard to put into words unless you've been there there's so much to it it's a collective it's a community it's you know an energy developer it's it's a place to like find yourself Mm. and music is you know, a big part of, of this entire week. And you can, you know, as an artist, it's a huge challenge because everyone, the people that go there come with their A game Mm. and to stand out and to like really, you know, make an impression, you have to, you have to dig deep into like, what kind of artist am I? And like, what do I see myself playing in the middle of the desert in Nevada you know, miles from civilization (laughs) and, and through the energy of the people and the, you know, the, the organization 
and the camps that you're a part of and the art cars, you know, so let the last burn I played on this 40 foot, um, art car that was shaped like a Jaguar mm. that I, that I played with this beautiful Adamson sound system on the night of the burn at like, I started at 3am and it was magical, magical. Like it was just, it was just like a, you, it's surreal when you're there. It's like, you're, you're just kind of in shock that this exists. Mm. It's just super, it's just so cool. It's so cool. And you know, it's not for everybody, but I highly recommend it for creatives yeah, and for people that are looking for a new kind of challenge in life. What was the biggest challenge for you to be there? Like the first, the fir- your first time. Um, probably I stayed in a shipping container. Okay. So you could, most people, some people tent, some people are in RVs. Mm-hmm. Me and John stayed in a shipping container <laughs> that had an AC. Um, so it's kind of like, I think the challenge was just kind of being out in the elements in this new atmosphere. And like, I, I adjusted pretty quickly, but it was it was intimidating being there because it was just kind of like Mad Max Mm. in a good way. Not like I was in danger, but it was intimidating because these people like, you know, a ton of professionals and, you know, these people that work really hard and party really hard Mm. or like are looking for, you know, inspiration for their next project or they want to develop, you know, an art piece that like, you know, a phonograph that you could stand on that's 40 feet tall. (laughs) You know, it's just like these, this imagination, people bring imagination to life there. And I couldn't think of a a place that does that any other place in the world. Wow. I know it's, it's, it's just incredible, you know, and you hear so many stories of it's just being so life changing for so many people, you know? Yeah. Um, it how, does. It, it's a humbling experience. How did it change your everyday life then when you got back to the city? How did you integrate? It just it, it helped with appreciating and to like remain grateful every day, mm. you know, because like the week flies by and I was I'm there the entire week and you want to be there for the whole week because like time doesn't really exist when you're there. So, you know, and being privileged to be there, you know, being so grateful to be there, I carried that into my day to day in in respect to like, um, you know, saying hi to people on the street or like, you know, the guy at the grocery store, because it's such a friendly environment. And I try and bring that friendly, you know, neighborhood environment to to my neighborhood in Brooklyn, you know, which it already is kind of, but it's also not. So I, you know, I like remembering that we're all connected we're all brothers and sisters of each other and that's one of the big lessons that i learned being there is like no we are all equal and and we have to remember that would you consider yourself to be spiritual or is is there any principles that you like follow or believe what's your take on that um i believe i'm a spiritual person my what i what I, who I talk to would be the universe, um, manifesting what I want and like above and things like that. Um, I mean, God is a different, just like 
different for everybody. For me, I'm 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 comfortable with with like the the universe and the um, just the, the power of nature. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, um, moving here to Colorado just like completely changed everything. Being so much, I didn't realize how much I needed nature. I guess until I lived mm-hmm. in it. Um, yeah. And then it's like, wow, you know, it did really, it is universe. I use the word universe too. Sometimes I use source or force, but it's all the same. <laughs> it all mm-hmm. feels like the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, nature is, it's one thing that I'm, I try and incorporate in my day to day or at least, you know, multiple times a year. Um, but you quickly, when you're living in a big city, you quickly forget about it yeah. and the importance of fresh air. And not looking at a screen. Mm, yeah. Because we spend so much time on technology that like that's one of the things about Burning Man too is you're disconnected. There's you don't, you know, you don't bring your phone out, you're not texting anybody, there's no signal. So that's one of the things I love about that that week is that it's a complete disconnection from um, you know, the default world. Yeah, I was curious when you said you had to play at three. The first thought I thought was, how did you know what time it was? <laughs> because I can't imagine you're walking around with your phone, you know, which is becoming yeah. a thing, you know, and your watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch on your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, right? old school pocket watch moments. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. What were your USBs like at, when you were done? I can't imagine. God. <laughs> pretty dusty. I, yeah, pretty I dusty. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us about Pride. Talk to us about Pride. So excited about Pride. I was going to, I was totally going to avoid the city like the plague. And then when you called and you're like, Mark Knight, I was like, and yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's really exciting because we are, you know, as, as you know, like Brute has been an alternative um, dance, you know, community. And for Pride, we've been doing Pride parties for Boot for the past few years. Being that, excuse me, being that it's going to be such a big weekend, we we wanted to do more. So we decided to do a Friday party mm-hmm. called Diesel, which is a brand out of Spain. And Dan and I played the Diesel party back in December in Madrid, and it was fantastic. We had such a great time, and we love that, the Diesel family. And since we were you know, looking to, to do a Friday party, we thought, let's involve the Diesel guys. So we were doing a Friday event, a Saturday event, and Hustler Ball is our Thursday uh, party, part, which is, you know, the first opening party of Solidarity Weekend. Yeah. And Solidarity is, is our, is the experience where we're providing outside of like the norm when it comes to what a pride looks like in most major cities around the world. Right. And but we're a collective of house and house techno and tech house parties. Yeah. And we're calling ourselves the other side of where we're more on the alternative side and and we just added an after hours, mm. which is at PlayStation Theater directly after Diesel and before Brute. Okay. Got it. So we have yeah, we have a lot happening, and it's it's really exciting. We just brought in Twisted D and Javier Medina, nice. And um, you know, Ralphie Rosario is with with you and Nick at mm-hmm. uh, at Diesel at Webster Hall, and Webster Hall just 
is opening in like a week or two. So we're super excited to be at Webster Hall. Yeah. And uh, Ultramate is is with us along with Manny Ward and Amanda Louise for Brute. Um, so yeah, there's there's uh, a new level to the Pride community that we that we're trying to bring forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, you and Susan were just played Brute in New York in Brooklyn. Yeah, I know. I didn't right, know that time. that I didn't know that three dollar bill was formerly Sutherland. I didn't know any of that. And then I walk in and there's Guy, and I'm like, oh wait, now I put it all together. But I loved that. Room. <laughs> yeah, it's it. a I great list. Yeah, I had a great yeah. time. And you were here. How bizarre is that? You were in Denver that right. night. Right. I was in Denver playing a Burning Man party. Did you get any, did you go outside or anything when you were here? Did you get to do anything? I don't know what the weather was then. Who knows? If it, it was, was it was mostly nice, mm. um, especially the morning of, Sunday morning, which was right after the party um, when the sun came up. It was beautiful. Mm. It was beautiful. And then... The following day, it rained and snowed and sleeted right before my flight. So you guys have some crazy weather out there. Yes. I don't know what's going on in Denver. We do. It's, <laughs> it's bipolar boulder. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> we, we can get all four seasons in one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's insane. I know. It's so bizarre. You just have to learn how to just deal with it, you know, and like kind of yeah. constantly it's all about layers and just be prepared. It's just the way that it is. Yeah. But even when it snows yeah, here, that's what I, what, what I love about it is like it's never really gray. Very rarely do we, will we get a stretch of gray. Like it's pretty sunny. I love it. We get over 320 that's awesome. yeah. degree days of summer a year. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. I'm definitely jealous of that. New York winters are rough. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. handle that. <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're coming to Dallas. So excited about release. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're happy to have you. Um, yeah, and you get to just the the cool thing about release is like you get to just do what you want to do. It's not a circuit party. There will be circuit boys there, yes, but it is not a circuit party. Right. Exactly. Um, it's it's very mixed. You'll see we get a lot of girls, and it's there's boys, there's bears. It's like everything, you know. So it's really kind of this really cool mix of perfect. The space is really cool too. So you just get to do you and be yourself. So I'm so pumped about it. I really am. And I appreciate you bringing me on for sure. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited to have you. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So where can everybody find you and follow you and all of that good stuff? Um, so my sets are on SoundCloud under uh, Peter Napoli. Um, my handles for Instagram and my fan, uh, Facebook fan page is DJ Peter Napoli. And I have, I have some sets going on, on YouTube right now. So you can find there, which I'm going to be improving on. Um, and yeah, that's about it. But I would, and I have a website about to launch in about a week or two. So djpeternapoli.com is a, a great place to, to follow me. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. One last question before we break, how would you define music? Um, self-expression, you know, can collectively turn into a genre. But, um, yeah, I mean, music is love. Music is love and self-expression. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, amen. I believe it, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks for taking some time and of talking course. to me Thanks today. I love me. you so much. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Take care.
So that's it for this episode. I hope you found something inspiring. Maybe Peter inspired you to want to take a trip to Burning Man. I know I want to go to Burning Man. I mean, shit. It's one of those things where I have said it and I just haven't done it. And I know I'm the only person that can make it happen. So maybe this is me telling the world to hold me accountable to take my ass to Burning Man. I'm okay with that. Um, If you are going to be in Dallas for Pride and you want to come and check Peter out, come to release. It's going to be awesome. And if you're going to be in New York City for Pride, well, you know where I will be Friday night playing with the one, the only, Mark Knight, along with Ralphie Rosario and Nick Bertozzi. So I'm really excited about a lot of things that are going on in terms of Remix Your World and the music. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, hit me up on Instagram. You could shoot me a DM or I have a new email for the podcast. It's simple. It's just hi at Remix yourworld.com. Hit me up that way and we can get to know each other a little bit better. If you have any people that you would love for me to have on the show, shoot me a DM or an email and I would love to hear from you. Take care, have an amazing week and go out and create something magical. Take care. Bye. Bye.